The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Do I just stick it out and get my full retirement and or do I take the leap? Hey, so in today's episode, our listener Lauren shares a moment of genuine inflection where she knows what she wants to do next and also at the same time feels beholden to the job she has now and who it's serving and also isn't so quick to walk away from the years that she's already earned towards retirement and benefits, even though it'll be another decade before any of that can be cashed out or realized. And burnout and depletion, while they're a big part of this conversation and her experience too, which I know is such a common feeling these days. So on deck with me this week from the Sparked Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters in these questions and share insights and ideas is the founder of Original Impulse, a creative studio and LTA program and coaching program in Denver, um, working with writers and entrepreneurs and, and founders. And she's also an author and workshop facilitator and a deeply trusted advisor and coach, Cynthia Morris. And a quick note, you'll hear us mention something we call the sparkotypes in conversation. So what's that? Well, it turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive, and that's your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything starts to make sense. Your work, your life, the things that have gone well and not so much. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your sparkotype for free at sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now, on to Lauren's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. Hi, my name is Lauren. I go by she, her. I am soon to be 45 years old, mother of a 13-year-old girl, married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married for mm, 20 years. I am a school psychologist. And this is my 21st year in this career. I have about nine or 10 more years left till like full retirement. And I am burnt out. This past year with the pandemic and the mental health and stress that students and teachers are encountering as a school psychologist, I am there for both students and teachers. And I'm worn out. I'm worn out helping other people in this capacity. And it just feels very hopeless and impossible. And I don't even know if I am making a difference. I've discovered about myself that I really like to see a finished product. And there are no finished products when you are working in schools and with children. My spark type is Maven with the shadow of Nurturer, which is very appropriate and truly does fit. During this pandemic, I took the time to become a certified yoga instructor and trauma and resiliency coach. And I've really taken a deep dive into the nervous system and stress and trauma and how stress shows up in our bodies 
and what that looks like and how to hack into our nervous system through different exercises and activities to bring us into a calmer, more regulated state. And I am so into that and so interested in it. And I have actually put together workshops and presented to teachers how to use this information in the classroom. And that is really totally my jam right now. That is what I want to be doing. I love it. It's fascinating. I think it's worthy. But those golden handcuffs of retirement and health insurance, there's a little voice in the back of my head like, oh, nine years, 10 years, that's not too long to wait to do the thing that you really enjoy. (laughs) Also, I feel badly. I would feel badly leaving the schools because I, in my heart of hearts, I do know I make a difference. I have students that run to me when they are upset, that seek my presence when something is worrying them. But there are, there are other psychologists, right, that can take up that spot for me. I don't know. So my question is, do I just stick it out and get my full retirement and and figure out how to cope with the the overwhelm and the burnt out of being a school psychologist or do I take the leap and go into the world of being a presenter and a workshop leader and a yoga instructor which I love and completely lights me up at least at this point in time it does i would really appreciate your insight into that and and how to navigate this uh, conundrum i am in thank you so much for your time the linkedin podcast network is sponsored by tiaa in the last 100 years we've seen financial markets swing new currencies come and go decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Mm, Okay, Cynthia. So as we're both listening to Lauren um, tell her story and ask her a question, I'm seeing you madly scribbling and also regularly shaking your head. (laughs) (laughs) So let's walk through. I think both of us probably have some some visceral and and lived reactions to um, different elements of what you shared. Let's walk through some of of these things. Um, What's going through your mind? Um, What are some of the things that really jump out at you? Well, first of all, I want to say that when you're listening to someone's experience like this, it's easy to think about it in a theoretical way and kind of as a, like, well, this is a no-brainer and do this or do that. And I I know 
to experience something is much different. The the fear of change is what I'm hearing under here. Lauren's been in a marriage for 21 years. She's been or 20 years in, in this career for 20. That's a long time. So she's really used to this world, even if it's painful. So making a change must feel pretty scary to her, even though it, I can tell in her voice, I think she knows what she really wants to do. She might just not know how. Mm, yeah, I think it's such an interesting insight, right? I think we we look for a sort of a touchstones to help understand what somebody's values are based on just their behavior over a window of time. And these decisions, like the fact that she's in a long-term relationship in, in multiple parts of her life, um, yeah, it, it kind of telegraphs this sense of, I like things to be stable. Um, whether or not from the inside out, that's true. That's what the perception is from the outside. And then, so when you've been doing something for a couple of decades, you know, and also within school psychologists, you know, you're operating within these big paradigms and institutions that generally do not change, um, <laughs> you know, without just, you know, like huge amounts of external pressure. And even then it often takes decades and generations. Then, yeah, you know, it's sort of like completely understandable that any the thought of, of any deviation from that um, would feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. There's a lot of safety in that structure and in those institutions, but I'm also hearing that it's starting to be a little suffocating. And as a maven, she loves to learn. Learning is really important to her. And she even, just the language she used about going into the world of being a speaker or teacher, like it's a whole, it's not just a change. It's like, I'm changing worlds. And I think it is because it means being an entrepreneur of sorts or joining an organization that allows her to be a teacher or facilitator. But she kind of painted it as an either or, either I stay here and suffer in the golden handcuffs for another decade, um, which no matter, I mean, if they're golden, handcuffs are still handcuffs, who wants to live in handcuffs or take this big leap? And I'm wondering, could she do both? Could she reframe her job? Because she does love the connections and the people she, she works with there. Could she change her job? Mm. Tell me more about what you're thinking around that. Well, she mentioned doing workshops for teachers. And the, to kind of take a broader view, the way I see where Lauren's at is she's at a point, she's 45, she's kind of moving toward doing legacy work, which is when I consider people write a book or they teach what they've been doing. So you've been working kind of in the trenches, learning and working. And then you get to an age where you're like, okay, I know more about the field that I can share in a different way that might have more application for more people. So I see her moving out of the doing and into the teaching, teaching teachers. But does she need to leave her job to do that? Could she somehow reframe her job or rework her job that she's working in the school district, teaching teachers and teaching people these skills about the nervous system. Yeah, it's a really interesting question, right? One of the things that was sort of spinning in my head was there there was this sense of it is what it is. There's no possibility of reimagining this. It's sort of like I'm part of this institution. The job is what it is. It's always been that. And I either, like you said, you know, I, I put my head down and grind out another nine or 10 years. Um, but it is a really interesting question, right? Especially now, because my sense is that um, what Lauren does is so profoundly important and deeply needed and valuable and valued 
that I wonder if she might have more power and agency in this particular moment to have conversations around reimagining the way that she does her job um, than is evident to her on the surface when she yeah. really thinks about it in this moment in time. Because you're, she's in the inside looking out right now, as, as so many of us are, right? And that bigger perspective of, huh, you know, I, I wonder what the assumptions are here and, and are they testable? Because maybe I have more control over this than I thought. Absolutely. And I'm with you on that reimagining. And that was one of the things I, I thought she might want to do is draft a vision for her life on paper. And this is the on paper or whether you do a collage or write it down some way to get it out of your head so you can actually see what's possible. I think so many of us get stuck we know we want to change. We know we need something different, but we just don't know how. What are the first steps? What are the next steps? What might it look like? So to get creative and envision, what what do I want my days to look like? How do I want to spend my time? Do I want to be with individuals or groups? Do I want to work in a collaborative way? Do I want to work on my own? Really getting a sense based on your nature, based on your sparkotype, of how you want to spend your days that that fills you up. And she even said this is workshops are totally my jam. So I think she does know a, a few pieces. It's just putting the whole picture together. So I would map that out on paper. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that too, getting a clearer picture, almost like in, in your perfect world, if you imagine that all the constraints that you're, you know, like assuming are are in your world, in your life, in your work, aren't there, or at least there's some freedom wrapped around it. Like, what would you want your days to look like? What would you want the way that you show show up and contribute to the world to look like and feel like on a regular basis and make it as detailed as you can? You know, the, part of the other thing that popped into my head is this notion of, okay, so so maybe step one is to really see how much you can reimagine that mainstream thing. Can you actually optimize it? Can you actually look at it and say, well, I'm a maven and a nurturer. You know, like the the role of nurturing is built into what I do as a school psychologist, right? That's that's built into it. The maven, which is an, an intense impulse to learn, it's knowledge acquisition, may not be. So she's sort of she's seeking that on the side. But what if there was a way to sort of like do that more centrally in what she's doing? But the other thing that popped into my head was that um, the maven in particular. So so. Maven, all about knowledge acquisition and learning. Nurture is all about elevating others, lifting them up, giving care, taking care, often when others can't or won't, right? What we see, especially with these two different types, is they exist on opposite ends of what we call the satisfaction spectrum. Mavens expressed in a really healthy, intentional way tend to get really fulfilled when they deepen into process, they can lose themselves in the process. So the process of learning is just the most magical thing. Nurture lies on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. And for them, there's a, a, a fierce feeling of expression and aliveness when they're lifting others up, when they're doing it in a healthy way. So it's interesting that her pairing here, the two impulse, strongest impulses exist on the opposite side of the satisfaction spectrum. And when they're expressed unhealthily, the maven side um, decompensates into obsession. That's where a lot of people just you know, like become you know, like completely obsessively lost in the spiral of learning, which makes it from healthy to unhealthy. But on the nurture side, and this is what I think she's really speaking to, 
expressed sort of like um, on overload that decompensates to profound depletion. And that's what Lauren is really describing here. Um, so, so part of my, my question, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about this, Cynthia, is when you're, in, when you're in that state where you just feel so burned out and so depleted, um, I often feel like it's actually hard to think rationally and yeah. even make good decisions. So is there, are there steps even before what we're talking about yeah. to just get yourself back to a place where you can think straight and feel, feel better? Yeah, that's what she said. Do I just stay and cope with the overwhelm? And my question was, how does one recover from overwhelm and burnout? And she was so clear in the way she said it. She said, burnt out. And that's just really definitive knowing what what is true for her now. So what would it look like to recover from that, to replenish herself and and look at everything from there? I think, too, if the maven is all about learning and she's a psychologist and has been doing this job for 20 years, she may be, I mean, you're always learning every day, any, any interaction you have with someone you can learn, but in terms of her skills and what she's doing, she might be at the plateau with learning. And so to, to combine the nurturer and the maven teaching people and to take care of themselves and their nervous system, she's learning this whole time. So she's really seems like she would be getting both if she were able to continue doing the workshops and teaching people about that. But the the the, the um, overwhelm question is interesting too because her whole thing is the nervous system and understanding how the nervous system works and how to get it so that we're calm and regulated. And I was like, okay, Lauren, what if you tapped into your own nervous system? How do you use that as your divining rod for this decision? And what what does that look like? to operate from that place. Mm, so powerful. I mean, it's like she's actually, the thing that she's latched onto, her maven's impulse to learn has latched onto the very way that you would guide others to resolve the very pain that she's experiencing on a personal level. So it's like how much of what what's being learned is coming full circle into just getting into the best possible place and and let let's also acknowledge the fact that you know as you start out the conversation saying this is a tough moment especially if you work in education especially if you're in the schools every day especially if you are on the side of supporting students teachers administrations families emotionally and psychologically you know so it's almost like you know you keep going back to a place where you see such profound pain and such profound need that even if you're doing all these other things to to tune up your own personal nervous system, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it can continue to be a tough dynamic. Well, we know that people are leaving the healthcare profession in droves right now because they just literally cannot keep going. They're burnt out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with stepping out and maybe doing something different or doing something in, in the same field, but in a different way, or maybe even coming back later. So I just feel like when when she talks, it sounds like Lauren really knows what she wants. She just doesn't know how. She the thought of you know I just have a, like a full body cringe when cringe when she says 
just stay for another 10 years in the golden handcuffs and tough it out. I'm like, Lauren, we don't know. <laughs> like, We've seen so much change in such a short time. Don't wait. Don't wait to make a change, whether it's reconfiguring your job or finding a new way to work. I don't, I think those 10 years are precious time. And also, yeah. you know, the other thing, like, she's like, oh, I don't want to leave the people. I really do feel helpful there. But you know, when we step aside, we leave room for other people who are coming up to step in who may not be burnt out, who may have a, a vivacity and a freshness for the work that that we just don't have right now. Yeah. I, I want to speak to both of those things you just shared. One is the notion of, you know, like golden handcuffs. Well, I'm, and it's the, it's the idea of sunk costs, right? That we put in so Ugh. much time, so much effort, yes. so many years, so much money, like getting educated. And now we're, you know, years, decades into this. And the sunk know, cost fallacy. Right. The exactly. Fa the fallacy word the is important. The third part of that phrase is always the fallacy. <laughs> it's that because of everything we put in up to now, that is the reason to stay in, especially if we see we have sort of less time to that magical endpoint where we get, you know, all the things that we've worked so hard for. But the, you know, the, the assumption there is that the, all the things that we worked so hard for are effect, effectively the money and the pension and the benefits that come after that. But the, the deeper and, and, and that, that is, that is the single most important thing, but there comes a time where we have to balance out, um, the stifling effect of, of work that we're currently doing that is just profoundly emptying against that. And then there's a deeper assumption. This is a seed that I'd love to plant with Lauren. And I know, Cynthia, you and I have talked about similar things many times over the years. It's the question of, okay, if you challenge the assumption that, well, it's the assumption that when I get to those 10 years, I want to have X in the bank and I want to have this amount of sustainability and this amount of security. And I get that, you know, um, I'm at a point in my life where I want that too. And so here's the question that we need to ask. If you spend the next nine to 10 years, maybe not just, you know, like blowing everything up and immediately doing something different, but reimagining what you're currently doing and then saying, okay, so what if I actually take this thing on the side and do everything that I can possibly imagine to build it on the side, you know, while I'm doing yeah. this other thing? Interestingly enough and weirdly enough, you would think, well, if she's already burned out and depleted. Um, she's going to have no energy to do this thing counterintuitively, it generally doesn't work that way. If the thing that you're doing on the side is actually not aligned with your deepest impulse for effort that brings you alive, then yes, it just compounds the depletion and the burnout. But if it's the thing that makes you come alive, we tend to have this wellspring of energy that we don't realize yeah. is there. And once we do it, that other thing, even though it takes effort, it refills our tank. Totally. And we have so much more capacity to do that thing so my question is like, what if he actually just said, what if I gave myself a, a, you know, a certain fixed amount of time to really just do as much as I humanly can on the side with, in conjunction with whatever you're doing to reimagine the main thing and see with the goal of, can I actually build this to a level where I feel like it's actually giving me so much, so much like more than I thought it may be even close to what that golden handcuffs was promising me mm -mm. that I would feel psychologically much less fear and angst um, making that sort of like step into it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I love that idea because I'm not really one to say, just do it, just take a leap. I'm 
a lot more practical than than I might may appear um, in terms of the retirement and insurance. I, my thought was like, well, what do you need? What are those actual figures? Put those down on paper, and then how might you get that in another way that's not through the job? But I love your idea of choosing a period of time, six, twelve months, and building it on the side. Often you will see people quickly replace and even surpass their income and the demand. What she's talking about teaching is so needed now. So I can imagine the demand would be great. She would be learning how to build her own business, or maybe it's not her own business. I I immediately go to kind of being an entrepreneur, but she could be an in-house coach and teacher for some another organization or something. I think that would probably, my guess is that would allow her nervous system to feel okay making a change that's not some big dramatic leap. Mm. There, there's another point of reference that I have, which is that you know, Laura, she's developed a passion for yoga as well um, as these other healing modalities. And you know, I spent a solid chunk of time in that world. I owned a yoga studio in New York City. I taught for seven years. And, and, and I found that because I'm, I'm a maker and for me, it's all, I, I love to start things and build them to a certain point where they're sort of thriving and stable. And then, and then I start to, to lose interest <laughs> that, you know, seven years in, I was like the very thing, which is the source of community and healing and grace and just all this amazingness was actually starting to be the thing that I wanted to exit. I, I wasn't looking mm. forward to going in every day and had nothing to do with it, not being like an incredible noble pursuit, but you know, she's Lauren said something, you know, and it was that, that second issue that you keyed in on where she says, and she says this in a very questioning voice. She said, there are other psychologists who can take up that spot for me. Right. I don't right. know. Yes, there are. Yes. Yes, there are. And, and immediately I was brought back to the, the last day where I walked away, where I, mm. I sold my, my studio, like, and I, and I taught my last class and I brought my last you know, group of students up out of Shavasana and I, and I told them that I wouldn't be returning and, and the emotion that just welled over me and, and mm-hmm. everybody else knowing there's this glorious community of thousands of people. And, and on the one hand, thinking to myself, like, can someone else step in? Like a, that studio 12, 13 years later now, is alive and well, doing beautifully. I've been you there. Know, like hundreds of different teachers and yeah. and managers and like amazing people and leaders in that community. And yes, that's a legacy. It was time. It was time. You know, and and there were amazing younger folks who were more committed and more vibrant and loving it that stepped in and 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 did the thing that I was no longer um, feeling that I want to keep doing. But how cool that you created something that was sellable and had a structure that other people could step in. You know, Jonathan, what's so great about your story is you really are a living model that we're allowed to change. You were a lawyer. No, not working. Okay, do the yoga studio. Okay, that was good, but I'm complete. And in the time I've known you, you've changed a lot and done different things throughout your business, which I think that's the nature of the maker. I'm a maker too. So, But just for other people to see that it's okay to change. It's okay to change and even leave something you love and feel really connected to and are good at. It's totally okay to be done. And move on. 
Mm. And I think that is actually a fantastic place for us to be done with this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.